So who did you expect to win? Which results were surprising? Which did you expect? Trump or Hillary? Leave or remain? Did you expect Joanne and Ori? Or someone else? Could you have predicted Leicester City would win the league? 2016 has been a year of surprises. I don't know about you, but by the time we reached November, I had almost come to expect the unexpected. 2016 has been a year of change, a year in which some of our cultural heroes died, and in which the political landscape of our planet has changed dramatically and surprisingly. It's been a year in which terrible conflicts have raged unabated. It's been a year of unexpected votes and unlikely triumphs. From the deaths of David Bowie and Alan Rickman in January, we've witnessed a year in which some of our cultural and artistic greats have, in the words of Shakespeare, shrugged off this mortal coil. Victoria Wood, Paul Daniels, Prince, Muhammad Ali, Gene Wilder, Pete Burns, Peter Vaughan, Andrew Sachs, most recently A.A. A. Gill. Perhaps one of the most poignant in terms of timing was the death of Leonard Cohen, that great prophetic poet who, it seemed, could not bear to live in a world in which Donald Trump could be elected president. He died the very same week that the US went to the polls. Many of my friends and neighbors have described 2016 in almost apocalyptic terms. In my household, I've come to think of it all with the title of a song from the hit show Hamilton. The song is called The World Turned Upside Down. And that's how this year has felt, as though the world turned upside down. It's disorienting, isn't it? When we see the world as we know it turned upside down, it can leave us feeling a little bit queasy. Stop the ride, I want to get off. All of these big events in politics and economics, as well as the ongoing struggles in our daily lives, can make it feel as though the world is spinning off axis. All these changes and surprises come just a bit too thick and fast for us to bear. For goodness sake, there's now not even a headphone socket on the new iPhone 7. Can we take any more changes? 2016 feels as though it's just realized that it's had one drink too many and it's not having fun anymore. But curiously, this phrase, the world turned upside down, isn't original to a Broadway musical. It's a phrase that comes right from the Bible, written 2,000 years ago. In the heady days of the early church, the first Christians were described as people who were turning the world upside down. And perhaps that's true. Perhaps Christianity and Christmas, concerned as they are with the person of Christ, perhaps they really do turn the world upside down, more than any shock election result, any sporting upset or celebrity death. Perhaps this baby Jesus, meek and mild, has the power to turn our world upside down. Christmas is a festival with no biblical justification and a time of wasteful and immoral behavior. 
Those were the words of the Puritan Parliament of 1647. They banned the celebration of Christmas, prompting great uproar amongst the public, many of whom launched pro-Christmas riots calling for its return. Indeed, amongst the protest ballads of the people who rose against the Puritan Parliament was a popular song called, you guessed it, The World Turned Upside Down. 130 years later, it was reported to have been sung by the American troops fighting for their independence from the English at the Battle of Yorktown. But the Puritans were not the first political power to be threatened by the celebration of the birth of Jesus Christ. The first political power to be threatened was the political power of Jesus' day, King Herod. Herod was something of a puppet king, not insignificant by any means, but his power and his rule depended on the consent of the Roman occupying forces and the suppression by force of any alternative local rulers for the Jewish people. So when Herod hears from these peculiar travelers who come from the east, magi, wise men, kings, astrologers, whatever we call them, when he hears that a child is to be born who is king of the Jews, the Bible tells us that Herod was frightened. Why? Well, because he fears that his world may be turned upside down. Any legitimate claim to be the ruler of Israel might cause his Roman puppet masters to prefer this newborn Jesus to old King Herod. So Herod schemes and conspires to have these eastern visitors go and find the newborn Jesus and then to report back to Herod so that Herod himself might go and pay homage to Jesus. Well, I'm not really sure that paying Jesus homage is an honest account of Herod's intentions. We read later in the Bible of how Herod ordered the massacre of all Jewish infants under the age of two in and around Bethlehem. Jesus escapes only because Joseph is warned in a dream and flees with his family into Egypt. So in the politics of power, the world is turned upside down. This powerless, vulnerable, newborn baby, Jesus, there in the hay, looking all cute and lovely, like we have him on the cards that we send and receive. Well, he is indeed the one described in hymns as the potentate of time, the all-powerful God. All the immensity of the eternal God, maker of heaven and earth, has chosen to dwell and to be found in the person of a newborn child. As St. Paul puts it in his letter to the Colossians, in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. The powers of this age are powerless before the baby in his manger bed. The world is turned upside down. One of the hit TV shows of the year on Netflix was called Stranger Things. And it told the story of mysterious happenings in the small town of Hawkins, Indiana, set in 1983. Government experiments with power and energy has opened up a portal between our dimension and another dimension, the upside-down dimension. And in this upside-down dimension, the forces of evil, death, and decay reign, and they take bodily form in a mysterious and threatening creature. Watching the series a few weeks ago, I couldn't help but wonder 
whether reality is not quite like the way the show depicts it. Because in the show, the normal dimension is the good dimension, and the upside down is the place of death and decay. But perhaps it's more accurate to think of our reality as what C.S. Lewis described as the Shadowlands, a shadow of what is to come, a less real and less substantial version of the real world that will one day be established. One thing that might lead us to suspect that we're actually living now in the Shadowlands, in the dimension of death and decay, is simply the reality of death and decay that we see around us. If we lift our eyes from our smartphone screens for just long enough, we see that our world is still dominated by the tragic effects of violent conflicts, such as what we're witnessing in Syria at the moment, and indeed in Yemen, as well as other countries. Our world still plays host to unspeakable evils, such as that seen in the murderous and barbarous acts of terrorism. We've not defeated death. Indeed, as we've been reminded month in, month out this year with yet another untimely celebrity death, death continues to defeat us. And if not death, then illness, disease, and decay. Cancer claims the life of another friend or family member. Mental health breakdown leaves another young life scarred. Broken relationships cause real wounds that seem impossible to heal. And yet, the angelic hosts still sing glory to God in the highest and peace to his people on earth. Jesus is declared to be the Savior, the Messiah, the one foretold by Isaiah who will lead us from the shadowlands into the light of his kingdom, a peaceable kingdom in which the wolf and the lamb live together, the calf and the lion are led by a child, a more substantial and glorious reality in which no one will hurt or destroy because the earth will one day be full of the knowledge of the glory of God as the waters cover the sea. Death and decay are made life and love by the worship of this newborn baby, Jesus. The world turned upside down. Now, anyone who has ever had a child will know something of what it means to have your world turned upside down. And in the centuries since the death and resurrection of Jesus, countless millions of people have had their lives turned upside down by their relationship to him. But the first people to have their lives turned upside down by Jesus were Joseph and Mary. It's often observed that all the extreme emotions of life cluster together in the work of parenting children. There's no other work that is so exhausting yet so energizing. Nothing so frustrating and yet so wonderful. Parenting Jesus meant for Mary and Joseph social stigma at the start. A perilous birth experience, a flight into Egypt. All of the hard work of feeding, raising and helping a person to grow from childhood into adulthood. And this particular child was gifted and confusing, missing from his family on one occasion, only to be found debating with teachers in the temple. We know nothing of Joseph by the time Jesus has grown to adulthood, but his mother Mary is present in his ministry and at the time of Jesus' death and resurrection. 
And Mary herself undergoes some kind of conversion during this period. She moves from the shame and the embarrassment that she feels towards her son, the popular rabbi who she wants to call out of the synagogue from amongst the crowd, to being right there with him at the very time of his death. Mary is, if you like, born again by her faith in Jesus, her son. John's gospel that we heard read a moment ago tells us that to all who receive him, to all who believe in his name, Jesus gives the right to become children of God. So Mary and Joseph are unique in being those who are called to be parents to Jesus, that in turn they may become children of God themselves. The words of the Christmas carol invite Jesus to cast out our sin and enter in, be born in us today. There's this persistent paradox in the heart of every Christian believer. We're called to make space for the life of Jesus to grow in us with all of the displacements and discomforts that accompany the life of a baby growing in the womb. We are to make space for him in our lives and yet we are also to become his children. Mary and Joseph are called to be parents to the newborn baby Jesus, and yet in turn they will become his children. The world is turned upside down. This persistent paradox of Christian faith draws upon the language of family. When we place our trust in Jesus Christ, we become children of God. We are born again, we're reborn into a new spiritual family whose bonds and affinities are greater than any other relationship we encounter in our lives. It's said that blood is thicker than water, but for a Christian, the waters of baptism truly are thicker than any biological ties. Our true belonging, our true identity is found as we take our place within this holy family. So in a world turned upside down by political upheaval, by the reality of death and decay in our time, we discover at Christmas that the pressing question for each of us is not so much what do you think of this or that or with whom do you agree, but rather to whom do you belong? To whom do you belong? For as God in Christ adopts Mary and Joseph to be parents, so too we are adopted in Christ to be God's people. And with this adoption comes a promise of a new reality, a reality in which the power of God is seen in justice, mercy, and love, a reality in which joy and hope overcome sorrow and despair. A reality in which light shines in the darkness and life overcomes death. Perhaps it's not so much that the world is turned upside down, but that an upside down world is put the right way up in this Christmas birth. So this Christmas, make space for him to be born in you, that you may become God's child. Do not despair in this upside-down world, for it is only the shadowlands, and there is a new day coming.
look to Jesus with shepherds and wise men, with the angels Mary and Joseph, for he is the one who turns an upside-down world the right way up.